today. During this next hour and 15 minutes, we invite you into our worship through the singing of song, through the chat online, and through the listening of his word. During uh, the last few Sundays, we've been here at the Roxy Theater, as you are aware, uh, we're going to be doing this experiment from June 4th to September long weekend, so keep that in mind. If you're thinking of joining us in person, the address here is 320 20th Street West, just a few blocks away from the Rock Church location on Avenue G South. If you have any questions on that or would like to contact the church in any way, feel free to call us at 306-975-7197. Or you can email us at info at trcyxc.ca. Without further ado, let's worship God together. with us as we worship.
our kiddos and we're going to camp this week so I hope it gets stuck in your head and you remember to pray for us. <laughs> Good morning Rock Church. I'm Pastor Brandon to those of you who don't know me. So good to have you with us. If you're new with us today we would highly encourage you to connect with us at the connection table just out in the foyer there. A couple announcements before we get into worship again. Uh, Children's Church will be dismissed midway through worship so keep that in mind. Parents, if you have not read, yet registered your children, uh, there's a table in the foyer. You can go do so quietly now if you'd like. Um, so a couple announcements for our order of service. We're going to be going back into worship, and then there's going to be a video on the book of Proverbs. Dallas opened a new series, our summer series on the book of Proverbs last week. And then we're going to be having Dallas speak on, on Proverbs, and then we're going to be going into uh, a camp commissioning. It's hard to believe. Camp is happening this week, Bibleville's starting, shift is happening next, and then C23. So we're going to be doing a camp commissioning, praying for those who are serving, um, and yeah, just for safety, so we're going to do that together. So without further ado, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get back to worship together. So Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. God, it's truly a privilege, it's truly an honor, and we just want to give you thanks and glory today. Thank you so much for this opportunity to worship, and we just want to look to you today in a, in a unique way, God. Thank you so much. We pray this all in your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, we're going to sing Glorious Day. It's okay, guys. We're just going to figure out the song for one second. <laughs> just getting it out of our heads. <laughs>
today and we won't be quiet we shout out your praise there's joy in the house of the lord our god is surely in this place and we won't be quiet we shout out your praise there's joy in the house of the lord there's joy in the house of the lord today and we won't be quiet we shout out your praise there's joy in the house of the lord our god is surely
Shake up the ground of all my tradition. Break down the walls of all my religion. Your way is better. Your way is better. Shake up the ground of all my tradition. Break down the walls of all my religion. Your way is better. Your way is better. Shake up the ground of all my tradition. fully surrendered to you. And so we really do lay down those things that are distracting us, the things that we think we have to do. We want to be surrendered to you, to follow your way. And so we just say yes to you right now, Lord. We just say yes. Yes, Jesus, we will follow you. We thank you that you are a faithful and trustworthy leader to follow. So we say yes to you today. Amen. You may be seated. And the video is coming on. If children haven't been dismissed, you the can head Proverbs. to the back now. The word proverb typically refers to a short, clever saying that offers some kind of wisdom. And this book has a lot of those. But they're almost all in the center section of the book, chapters 10 to 29. But there is way more going on in the book of Proverbs, especially at the beginning, chapters 1 through 9, and the conclusion, chapters 30 and 31. The book's been designed with an introduction, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, and it first of all links this book to King Solomon. Now remember the story in 1 Kings chapter 3. Solomon had asked God for wisdom to lead Israel well. And so Solomon became known as the wisest man in the ancient world. And we're told in 1 Kings chapter 4 that he wrote thousands of proverbs and poems and collected knowledge about plants and animals. So Solomon was like the fountainhead of Israel's wisdom literature. So while not all the material in this book is written by him personally, he is where Israel's wisdom tradition began. The introduction says that by reading this book, you too can gain wisdom. Now wisdom for most of us means knowledge, but the Hebrew word chokhmah means much more than just mental activity. It refers to action also. So think skill or applied knowledge. 
This is why back in the book of Exodus, chapter 31, it was artists and craftsmen in Israel who were said to have chokhmah. So the purpose of this book is to help you develop a set of practical skills for living well in God's world. And this gets linked with another key idea in the introduction, the fear of the Lord. Now, fear here is not about terror. It's about a healthy sense of reverence and awe for God and about my place in the universe. It's a moral mindset that recognizes I am not God and that I don't get to make up my own definitions of good and evil and right and wrong. Rather, I need to humble myself before God and embrace God's definition of right and wrong, even when that's inconvenient for me. Now, this introduction leads us into the first main section of the book, chapters 1 through 9, which also doesn't contain short one-liner proverbs. Rather, what we find here are ten speeches from a father to a son about how the son should listen to wisdom and cultivate the fear of the Lord and live accordingly, which means a life of virtue and integrity and generosity, all of which lead to success and peace. The father warns his son also about folly and evil and stupid decisions that will breed selfishness and pride, all leading to ruin and shame. And so the son should make the pursuit of wisdom and the fear of the Lord his highest goal in life. And this way of thinking, it forms the moral logic of this entire book. Now, these speeches from the father also clue us into what biblical wisdom literature is and how it's different from other parts of the Bible. These books explore how to live well in God's world, but wisdom is not the same as law, like what Moses gave Israel at Mount Sinai. And it's not the same as prophecy, divine speech to God's people. Rather, wisdom literature has the accumulated insight of God's people through the generations about how to live in a way that honors God and others. And so, through the book of Proverbs now, these human words about wisdom have been put together as God's word and wisdom to his people, which connects to the other thing you find in chapters 1 through 9. There are four poems from Lady Wisdom. Here, wisdom has been poetically personified as a woman who calls out to humanity to pay attention and to seek her. Wisdom says that she is woven into the fabric of the universe, and so wherever you see people making wise decisions, they are relying on her. So you see someone being generous or having sexual integrity or upholding justice. They are drawing on wisdom. These Lady Wisdom poems, they're a creative, poetic way of exploring this idea that we live in God's moral universe and that goodness and justice are objective realities that we ignore to our own peril. And so fearing the Lord, living wisely, it's living along the grain of the universe. Now together, these two sets of speeches from the Father and Lady Wisdom, they make a powerful claim about this book, that you're not simply reading good advice. You're reading God's own invitation to learn wisdom from previous generations. And so in the next section of the book, chapters 10 through 29, we find hundreds of ancient proverbs, and they apply wisdom and the fear of the Lord to every life topic you could imagine. Family, work, neighborhood, friendship, sex, marriage, money, anger, forgiveness, alcohol, debt, everything. And these are all filtered through the value system of Proverbs 1 through 9. Now, these Proverbs, they're all pretty short. They're easy to memorize. And actually, this section of the book is meant to become a reference work that you return to time and time again throughout the years, which raises some important issues in learning how to read these Proverbs. First of all, Proverbs are by nature about probabilities. So you fear the Lord and you make wise, good choices. 
things will likely go well for you. And if you don't fear the Lord, you're foolish. Your life will likely not go so well. Now, that is all often true, but not always, which leads to the next point, that Proverbs are not promises. They're not formulas for success. So some Proverbs, for example, the fear of the Lord prolongs your life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Or train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't turn from it. So yes, fearing God, being a moral person, will most likely lead to a better, longer life. And raising your kids in a stable, loving home does set them up well. But there are no guarantees. Lots of things can and often do go wrong in our world. And so lastly, Proverbs by nature focus on the general rule, but not the exceptions, which are many. And the wisdom books actually aren't ignorant of that. The exceptions are what the other wisdom books, Job and Ecclesiastes, are all about. And together, these acknowledge that life is too complex for simple formulas, which is why we need all of the wisdom books together to get the bigger picture. This all leads to the final section of the book, two large collections of poems. First, poems from a man named Agur, who begins by acknowledging his own ignorance and folly and his great need for God's wisdom. And then Agur discovers that divine wisdom has been given to him in the scriptures, which teach him how to live well. And so Agur is put before us as like a model reader of the book of Proverbs, somebody who's always open to hearing God's wisdom through the scriptures. The final poems are connected to a man named Lemuel. He's a non-Israelite king, and he passes on the wisdom that was given to him by his mom. It's guidance for being a wise and just leader. And then the final poem is an acrostic or an alphabet poem where each line begins with a new letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And the entire poem is about the woman of noble character. It depicts a woman who lives according to the wisdom of Proverbs and stands like a model of someone who takes God's wisdom and then translates it into practical decisions in everyday life, at work or at home, in her family and in her community. So the book opened with words from a father to a son about listening to Lady Wisdom. And so now the book closes by offering the words of a mother to her son about a woman who lives wisely. The book of Proverbs is for every person in every season of life. It's a guide for living wisely and well in God's good world. And that's what the book of Proverbs is all about. Is that interesting? Very well done, I thought. We're going to put that link in this week's email. How many of you start your days by praying for humility and then sometimes it happens? Did you all see that guy on the drum set? Sticks flying off beat like Gong Show City back there. Thank you to the worship team for carrying me when I'm supposed to be the foundation as the drummer carrying you. And thank you for laughing along and being part of my discipleship as I grow in humility. I wasn't going to say this, but just to back up what I used to do when we were like, 20 people, 30 people. Dallas was on the drum set. The sound system was right beside him, microphone in front of his face with the mouse for the computer for the projection on his lap. 
adjusting sound, playing song, song leading, and changing the slide on beat. So, so it hasn't always been that way. I don't know if I just took my humility and turned it into pride or what just happened there, but there's a chance that sounded defensive. How many of you like board games? Got some fans out there. We've talked about puzzles in this past year, now board games. The game of life. How many of you like the game of life? I haven't played it for quite a while, but everybody gets a car. Everybody gets a spouse. Everybody's going to have kids. There's a couple places where you have big decisions, but basically you roll the dice and you're moving forward. There's a, a few glitches, but everybody knows. You see the board. You see how life is supposed to go. You start, you proceed, you end. And all the spots are clearly identified and whether you hit them or go another direction, there's not a lot of surprises. It all turns out in the end. How many of you have found that the real game of life doesn't quite go that way? It doesn't end midstream in our process of the decades to feel the way we thought. I won't take a show of hands, but how many of you would say your life wouldn't turn into a board game? Unless the board game or the card game was called war. <laughs> Brokenness. Anybody play a game, the game of disappointment? Mental health challenges. Health challenges. Relationship challenges. The speaker said the book of Proverbs is for every stage of life and there are no formulas that it's about. In this book, I'm glad he coupled it with Ecclesiastes and, and brought the, brings the wisdom together in those and how it's supposed to be tied together. But Proverbs is an important piece of what's going on because it's supposed to inform our perspective. You see, the discipleship journey is not one of you become a Christian and then you've won the probability lottery and everything works out for the rest of your life until you get the jackpot at the end of the human rainbow and get to go to heaven. But I continue to be amazed in myself and amazed in the kingdom of how many times we get stuck at a level of maturity that has us stuck in a temper tantrum that the lottery didn't turn out, that I didn't get my way, I didn't know what was coming next, it wasn't fair to me. Did you know that God is actually not into fair? He's not like the ultimate referee, like the NHL referees trying to make sure that if a team gets three penalties in the first period, that by the end of the game, the other team will get at least three penalties. He's not trying to be fair. He's something way above that. He is loving. And so he actually knows what each of you need individually. And if you are open, teachable, and, and submitted to him, he can actually deal with you in a loving way rather than a fair way. And I would rather much have myself in the hands of a loving God than a fair God because if God was fair, I wouldn't get anything. Because what should be coming to me in fairness is a whole lot of pain and suffering. Because I've inflicted a lot of pain and suffering. But Proverbs will help us mature. It will inform our perspective. You want to grow up and go to the next level of following Jesus? Mature in your perspective of how you view life. 
And that's what we're going to touch on. Because the Holy Spirit can use the words of Proverbs to go deep in our heart and do what Scripture says that the Spirit of God and the Word of God wants to do, renew our mind and transform our hearts. And so let me read a few Proverbs in a row. I'm preaching a little, hopefully a little bit briefer today to so spend a little more time on the commissioning, but we're going we're gonna to spend a little time here. And I want you to catch the theme that goes through these next four passages of Scripture. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and you can make your path straight. Right? What? Oh, I was wondering if they got the wrong words behind me. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. I want you to start to get the picture of a divine partnership. That God, in all his sovereignty, in all his wisdom, in all his lovingness, in all his power, is able to come alongside someone who is willing to submit to him, to love him, to be diligent and faithful. And I think there's something that's come and clear to me this past year, to be able to articulate it a little differently, is that when we are faithfully loving him without being perfect, without getting it all right all the time, but when we present ourselves as children available to him, he then comes in all his power and faithfulness and the divine appointments and the divine meetings for your life begin to take place. And you begin to become like the one stone out of the five that David chose to get to do the, the good work of killing Goliath. That if you have yourself there, God can use you. He will make your paths straight. We have to trust in him and lean on him, not on ourselves. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 21. For your ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all your paths. The Lord sees. You see, the problem if we are in a legalistic, guilt and shame-ridden position with the Lord and we get heaped on by the world around us, we actually think that our ways being in the full view of the Lord are meant for him to keep us under his thumb. And they're meant to be punishment points and pressure points. And you got to behave because God's always watching which is the totally wrong tone of how the believer is supposed to be following God. Instead of it being he's watching you like a hawk to be your policeman and your referee and to keep you on the straight and narrow, it's like you can't get away from his gaze. You can't get away from his gaze. You are his favorite. Nothing you're doing is outside the scope of what he can see going on. It means you're not left to your own devices. It means when you're lost, you're not really lost. You're just finding path B to get to where he is. Do you get the tone shift? That he is, he's, he's got his full view on you. And he examines your paths. And the good news is if we're in that position with God, whether you're in this room or online, is that if he's examining your paths, the God who can do anything is examining your paths and he loves you more than anything, that he would sacrifice his son for you, that means he can do anything to redirect them and get you to where you're supposed to be. Because he's paying attention, not just to see if you can behave, 
but to see where you aren't and see where you are and how to weave it all together into this beautiful spiritual GPS system that lands you where you're supposed to be. Man, I'm preaching good when I was drumming bad. God is gracious. Proverbs 16, 9. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. In their hearts, human plans their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. God has put good stuff in you. It's been broken by sin and the human condition, and so it's a mess in there. But as you surrender your heart to Jesus, the good stuff begins to be aligned, and the old broken stuff and the sinful things begin to fall away that want to drive you, and the Lord establishes your steps. He makes the path straight. We're going to camp over the next few weeks. And there are a number of places where there's a beautiful sidewalk all laid out for kids to get from the chapel to the eating room and the, and the dining hall to the chapel. That's the best sidewalk in the whole place. Well, except for the, for the kids, the dining room to the playground. That's a good one too. Because we highly believe that play is the way no matter what age you are to have connection. Kids will immediately get from physical nourishment to spiritual nourishment and back and forth because the, the path has been laid out. Somebody established the way it would go. And it's very rarely that if anybody's at the chapel and they're going to lunch, that they're going some weird lost direction. Everybody knows which way to go because the path has been established. Make your plans. And as you devote to the Lord, he establishes your steps and shows you how to go. And then the final verse, Proverbs 20, 24. Kind of in the same theme, but this is where I want to hang out for the last few minutes. A person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their own way? How then can anyone understand their own way? You are not a self-made man or a self-made woman. You have not pulled yourselves up by your bootstraps. If you don't have room in your faith and in your relationship with Jesus and in the realm of the world around you, whether immediate family or larger, if you don't have space for the mystery of how God has woven all the mess of this world for your guidance and directions and to direct your steps, you're missing out on part of the blessing of being under the fatherhood of God. If you don't have a concept that you can't, won't, don't want to, and shouldn't know everything about how your paths and your steps have lined up, you are missing the mystery and that peace that it has in your walk with Jesus. We need to have an understanding that there are things that we won't understand on how God can turn bad to good and use us for each other and each other in our lives and how he brings it all together and like, like the guy said on the video, it doesn't always guarantee that it works out the way we think or want or would hope. But there has to be a holy understanding of mystery and giving space for that. 
There's mystery around what's going on in your life. Mystery in your family. Some of it is distressing mystery. You have no idea how God is going to work things out. There's definitely things going on in the world. And there's all sorts of mysteries going on in the kingdom of God. I can't explain it all. It's past my knowing. But I will assure you this, that I don't follow Jesus on a blind faith. I'm not content to say the mystery is just because I have no hope. I have no understanding. I'm just jumping and seeing if anybody's out there to catch me. It's not blind faith. It's trusting faith. Because I might not see how it's all working, but I trust the one who does know how it's all working. If you don't understand that there's mystery to how God is working out things for those who love them, love him and trust him, you are missing out. If we don't allow these words to transform us, we stay as spiritual children. And I don't mean in the good way, like those who have the heart of a child will see the kingdom of God. I mean that like we stay like the children of the temper tantrum brats that are pulling the candy off the shelf, crying and screaming, and nobody's paying any attention to them. You know those ones? Ever seen them? Put up your hand if you've ever been one. Yeah, thanks for your honesty. I see you in the back row. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. That's a great verse for some, and it's painful for others. And it all hinges, I think, on how you define good. God works for the good of those. And some of that good is just our rest and peace on if we can trust God in the journey without having to hold all the details. So what do we do? In a different version, that verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, said it like this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. The other version said, submit. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Through your life, are you a lighthouse for Jesus? Are you giving him glory? Am I giving him praise? Am I taking credit for myself where I can give it to the Lord, share it with others while still humbly and honestly stepping into my part for it? We had a great setup day with 36 people yesterday or whatever it was. I remember 20 years ago on the Saturday before camp driving back and forth two and a half hours to where we had camp then in a van by myself loading. It was, I was so blessed yesterday. Seeing how people have come together, how God has multiplied. But it took, it took planting seeds and getting things established and learning how to do things to grow to get to this point. We have to be able to hold the mystery. We have to be able to acknowledge him. I got to be a part of establishing camp and processes and systems, and the team over the last few years has taken it. They beat my best setup time by two hours yesterday. It was amazing. We got to eat burgers early. <laughs> I don't even think that person was there if I recognized that voice. But... But that's the kind of place this is. We cheer each other on, even in eating. See, we can, 
We can be a part of it, but we have to acknowledge him, acknowledge him, submit to him, be close to him, intimate with him. You need relationship with God if you're going to walk in trusting faith rather than just blind faith. There's a bunch of faith and trust that we put into our closest relationships. For uh, healthy marriages, healthy families, there's trust and there's faith for that system to operate well, that relational system, that family system to operate well. It's no different than God. We need relational faith and trust to be able to submit our ways, acknowledge him, and he will make our path straight, and we won't even understand all that's going on because we're leaning into him. So how does that happen? I want you to think of a plane for a second. And a plane to get off the ground actually needs traction. I'm not talking about the Jetsons stuff. I'm talking about normal planes right now. Wheels on the pavement, the engines start up, and it starts to roll along. It starts to roll along without those wheels, without the ability for, for that uh, traction to happen. It would just be a belly flop on the pavement and go nowhere. So, but as that traction takes place and as the speed take, picks up, all of a sudden the lift happens and it transitions from the traction that can be seen to a force that cannot be seen. Are you following me? That as the plane goes along, its starting point is the actual uh, rubber on pavement. There's traction, it's moving, but all of a sudden there's so much momentum that the air gives lift and the plane begins to soar. That's how it can be in your walk with Jesus. That as you begin to follow and you're putting your trust and you're beginning to trust his promises and you're beginning to apply his word to your heart and you're beginning to obey and you're making the traction and you're making the process and that, that blind trust you think maybe you started with becomes a faithful trust and, and trusting faith. And all of a sudden, not that it's always soaring as in, I can't believe how easy this is, but all of a sudden you're going places and doing things that you could never do if you just needed that concrete touching faith all the time. You hear what I'm saying? It picks up speed. And like our theme at camp is this year, trust God and soar, that if you will trust God with the steps and motives and intentions of your life, he will direct your steps and path, and there will come a time where it feels like liftoff. And you will mature, and you will grow, and you will begin to carry weight, do things, feel confident in ways that you have never felt confident before, not for just your own benefit, but for the benefit of the kingdom and the people around you, because all of a sudden, you're living life in a dimension that other people can't live because you have the spiritual relationship with God lifting you into places that you did not see, directing you into places, leading you into places that you would not have seen. You're going to hear this time and again through this camp season. Trust God and soar. And our theme verses are from Isaiah 40. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Trust God and soar. Here's a few closing questions. How is your trust relationship with Jesus? Are you the little child, not in the good way, but in the demanding way, 
that you need everything tit for tat and fair and understandable and explained to you and spelled out? Or have you grown and matured to the place where you can begin to trust the unknown and know that he's in the middle of it? How's your trust relationship? Can you handle the mystery of God knowing more than you? Can you handle, can you stomach what it takes for God to know more than you? I think it stumbles us sometimes. I think it stops us up. Another question. Where is Jesus near or far from you? He hasn't gone anywhere if it's far. What's the state of your heart? But don't take this as a guilt trip. That's not what I'm doing here at all. I want you to hear these words. If he is far or if he is near, his words are the same. There's a level of invitation that he is waiting for from you. There's a level of permission that he's waiting for from you of Jesus, come close. Jesus, here's my life. Jesus, here's my thoughts. Here's my money. Here's my relationships. Jesus, come close because when you're close to me, it's all yours. But if you're far, I can only kind of throw one thing at a time and see what you do with it. Come close, I'm all yours. Final question. What would a next step be? Maybe rephrase that. What has he been inviting you to as a next step? Because he wants you closer to him. That he wants you experiencing more of his love, more of his joy, more of his discipline and correction, more of his security. What is the next step that he's inviting you to? in order to have more trust, more intimacy, more closeness, so that you can trust him with your steps. I like to say this phrase often, don't try harder, enjoy Jesus more. Guys, there's at least more, there's at least one pilot in this room, I think. Pilots, like, all I know about pilots is they love their job. Like WestJet was upset for three weeks, but other, in May, they didn't like their job. But they might have liked their job. Anyways, different story. People want to fly. There's a freedom, there's a joy, there's something about people who can physically fly. They can go places most people can't, at least not very easily. Don't try harder. Enjoy Jesus more. You should sell out for Jesus because the sellout will transition into something that you've never thought of. And again, I'm not selling holidays. I'm selling discipleship, death to yourself, giving up of sin, greater obedience, greater sacrifice for greater intimacy and relationship. That's what the call is, and it can come by enjoying Jesus more. At this time, I'm going to invite Roxana to come up. This week, we're going into camps, and uh, every week before camp, I'm going to have the director of that camp or that program come up. I, uh, is she coming? Oh, yeah. Does it feel like the price is right right now? We all grew up watching that. Give her a round of applause. Let's make it feel like that for her.
Yeah, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Roxy Anna. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. So I wish we would have done a fundraising campaign based on if you said, hey, Roxy at the Roxy, <laughs> that that would have meant you had to sponsor a kid. Because how many times do you think you've heard anything like that over the past two months? Uh, a lot. Yeah, a, a lot, lot of times. We're all really funny, aren't we? Yeah, so funny, the most. <laughs> I, said, I said that they should um, print off my face and put it everywhere so people know. Oh, yes, yeah. Yes. So speaking about humble <laughs> and uh, humility, mm -hmm. we'll touch on that a little yes. further next week. <laughs> Roxana, uh, lots of you don't know this, Roxana came out of high school and her first year out of high school, she was full-time on staff as church administrator and receptionist and helping. She's been on staff for four years, transitioned into Bibleville assistant, and this spring jumped into Bibleville director. And uh, Roxana, you've done an amazing job, an excellent job, and the rest of the team has. This applause is for you, too, for your great <laughs> Super proud of you. Uh, yes, well, I have a phenomenal team and a phenomenal group of volunteers who come every week. So it, sure, I'm right there, but really it's totally teamwork. It's fully teamwork. Awesome. You are the captain of a championship team, giving credit to the people around you, which mm -hmm. we do totally agree, yeah. and um, it's awesome. So I uh, just want to have you give us a brief snapshot of Bibleville uh, camp in particular, and from what you say, it helps inform us on how to pray. Mm -hmm. What I, I've spilled a little bit of the theme. Maybe there's something more you want to say. Who's the theme for Bibleville camp, ages 6 to 10? Who are the speakers, and what is a couple of the fun things that they will do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that is the theme that Dallas shared. And then our camp speakers again this year are Kelly and Jolene Stanglin, and they did, yes, it's, it's, I'm so excited. Excited. I'm so excited. They did some really, really awesome things like stinky feet uh, last year at camp that the kids just, I was, I would have never saw them so engaged in chapel before. So we're glad to have them back again this year. Awesome. Just yeah. hold it there for a second. We're going to go through a few pictures. Yesterday was oh. set up day and um, we had 36 people out there. Oh. There's uh, Luke. Good looking Luke getting spray bottles ready. Yes. That's for work projects. Hannah carrying gift bag things maybe. Or something heavy, I'm sure. Ah, the team that came the out. The crew that was yep. out there. Good stuff. And then um, we set up the chapel with your theme as well. And so there's a yes. couple of people that know how to get up in the world. <laughs> Are and you sitting in that late? And if we pushed, would it have flown? And actually, Esther made that airplane. So uh, that's Esther Funk right there in Leighton Funk. Oh, and that's Jolene in her costume. <laughs> yeah. And that's Jolene, and she's teaching with that airplane, and so she's got her pilot outfit all ready to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. No, so in those photos, those are some of the actually really exciting things that we get to do at camp, where Jolene gets to um, do skits and dress up, and the kids love it so much, and that there's some really fun decorations on the stage this year about um, with airplanes and trusting God and soaring. And so the kids get to sit and look at that and get to just enjoy a, an experience that they don't usually get at the church. We're a little bit more 
a little bit more basic with their stuff at the church because we're doing lots of transitions, but at camp, things kind of just get to be settled and stay where they are and things get to be hung up and we don't have to use one building for like 16 to 20 different things. So that's the great thing about camp. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's a couple of the fun things that they're going to do around there? Yes. Yeah, so um, one of the really fun ones is eating. We really like to eat. No, we really do. There's lovely, lovely, delicious food, and there's so many desserts. And it really is just a treat for the kids where they we get to have we get to delight with one another. We get to sit down at a table and have a fun family feel. And then we also get to go to the lake. The kids really love the lake, and it's so it's so nice, and it really occupies them. And there's lots of fun things to do. We probably could have the theme at camp, camp and feasting. Yes, we could have, yeah. And um, lots of camps have horses and BMX bikes and canoes. We have food mm-hmm. <laughs> is what, what we spend yes. the money on. So. Yeah. Uh, help us know what you want us to pray for, the campers, campers mm-hmm. being the staff, the volunteers, the kids. How should we pray this week? Yeah, um, this year we have a lot of kids coming. So... Um, that is very exciting, a little bit nerve-wracking, but I think that um, if you keep this in your minds, that you pray for all of the adults who are coming to camp and all of our junior and senior leaders, that you can pray for energy, energy to handle cabins and the kids in there, they're quite full, um, and then also perseverance. Um, it Camp is a beautiful time, but because we spend so much time there, a lot of things get to come up. And so with that, we need lots of perseverance and our own frustrations and our own tiredness and maybe only getting, you know, that four hours sleep or five hours sleep, we get quite tired and we have a whole full busy day in the sun. So pray for perseverance and energy for our leaders. That would be very, very awesome. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And anything for the kids? Yeah, for the kids. Um, I think for the kids that they come with hearts that are ready to receive um, the things that we're going to be sharing in chapel. We do it in a very fun, kid-friendly way, like through skits and through object lessons and through, like I said, stinky feet. Um, I can share about that later. Um, And um, just pray that the kids come ready and curious, curious to ask questions, to question question what we're saying, to um, talk about it, and that they come uh, excited and and settled at camp, because sometimes it takes a little bit, and we have quite a few kids, so I think that it's going to take a little bit of time, so those things, yeah. Yeah, awesome, and I'm going to add my piece in there, Mm -hmm. just fun for the leaders, the staff, the kids. So much work has gone into this. Children start looking forward to it. About September and October, they start asking the questions for camp. Yes. And so it's it's a light highlight for a lot of people's year. And so just pray that there's lots of joy, that this would be in the, in the presence of God's people, that love would flow, that this would be the taste at a young age that they acquire as fun when the world's offering drugs, sex, rock and roll, and everything else you want to name in it. Let's pray that the community of God and the relationships in having good, clean fun is what they get the taste for. Amen? Amen. Give Roxanne a round of applause. Thank you, young lady. That's great. So in 2023, um, we've kept camp a little bit more up front than past years, just as we try to get more people involved and raise the awareness. But here's the thing about camp. It's the culmination of a whole year of weekly programming. 
camp is an attempt to end a year well, give them a double portion of Jesus by pouring ourselves into them and that they could experience his spirit in an ongoing way for a whole week of camp. So camp commissioning isn't just a celebration and prayer time for those who are physically going out to camp this month. It is a celebration of thanksgiving and giving prayer for everyone who has had a part over the past year. So thank you to each one of you. Why do we do camp? There's so much to invest, time, energy, creativity, work, finances. We do it because even though it's kind of messes up the whole year of how to run normal programming well when you throw camp in the middle of your, your summer, there's a good chance that this camp is the only camp that would work for 90 or 95% of our children because of all of the relational trust and equity that's been established that we can actually remove, remove them from the city, get out, out to camp, and be able to start with positive traction rather than taking four or five days to establish relationship and have to drive them home that night. We have to work from a place of trust in order for Jesus to flow through us. Otherwise, it's, it's like a cement wall between us. So when you are a part of outreach in any way over the past year, you are part of establishing relational trust, being Jesus' hands and feet, being a, a vessel that his love can flow through. So if you are a part, you are a part of the year, you are a part of the blessings at camp. So watch this. I've never done this before, and you're going to do it with me. If you have served at Bibleville, Shift, or C23 in the weekly programs in any way by serving in kitchen or driving or hosting tables, please stand up. Unreal. Stay standing. If you have helped, stay standing, if you have helped in any way at a special event like the special family Christmas by hosting a table and, and having a family, by serving in the kitchen, by greeting, by working in the parking lot, please stand up or if you're already standing, put up your hand. There should be more people starting to stand up. All right, you can hold your applause till we get to the end now. Okay, put your hands down. If you have given financially to the outreach over the year or camps, even through Trifecta, or you have prayed for the children and youth or the leaders for Jesus to touch hearts, please stand up. And if you're already standing, raise your hand. If you have helped preparation of a program by doing crafts or you've helped prepare for camp by working in the kitchen and making food in advance, if you've helped get equipment ready for camps or vans or trailers, please stand up or put your hand up if that covers you. If you are going out to camp for any amount of time, from one day to three weeks, to serve kids or encourage or help set up or clean up or pitch, up, pitch in in any way, please stand up or put your hand up. All right. If you will either or do both of these, encourage the team that is going and help them be resilient, or you would commit to pray for them in the month of July and for the kids, please stand up or put up your hand.
if you're willing to pray or encourage people. All right, last call. If you simply think it is cool that there are people in the world who would do this kind of stuff, please stand up or put your hand up. All right, look around. Who's involved in camp? Everyone. This is a body experience. And we don't exist just for kids or youth or for camp. This is a full-fledged body that has all sorts of different arms going on. But this matters because Jesus said, let the little kids come to me. Let the children come to me. And if this place doesn't have a heart for children, it doesn't really matter what else our heart is about. Because it's got to start at what Jesus' heart was about. And so from the bottom of my heart, I want to say thank you for not despising children and mess and young people and attitude and all that comes on, but that you're willing to engage it. Thank you very much. Matthew chapter 28, stay standing, verse 18 to 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That passage is known as the Great Commission, and we're going after it. We're planting in some lives. We're watering other lives. We're harvesting in some lives. The discipleship journey for these children and the leaders and the staff on this body, we're all at different stages all the time, but we can all mature at the, in the same kind of growth, uh, growth process that these type of opportunities give us. Jesus knows children. He knows you. And he uses camp and your hearts to pour into people's lives and, and see the, commission, the great commission through. So we're going to do something here. If you're new here, I'm sorry, you're not supposed to do this kind of stuff for visitors and guests. You're welcome to participate. You're welcome just to watch. Or you're welcome just to stand in a circle. But I'm asking us to, like, spin around, get in little groups of four or five or six. And I'm going give to you, give you three to four minutes. And I want you to pray for the people that are going to camp. Pray for the children. Pray for protection. Pray for fun. We're going to do it in groups of small groups of four to five. And then I'm going to close us off. And then the band's going to come again and we're going to sing the our lighthouse his the lighthouse what are we singing my lighthouse <laughs> i was doing so well the last 20 minutes and still up in smoke my lighthouse so uh groups of four or five uh if you don't want to pray just listen nobody's going to force you to
And now that I use the wrong words and you're sitting comfortably, don't sit for this prayer with me, please. Stand up. You guys knew that. Well, sorry. My apologies. Let's bow our heads. This feels like a holy moment. So, Heavenly Father, we quiet our hearts knowing that we are privileged to feast at your table and to call you Father. And we're privileged to be part of a family that we can love, that love us, and we can love others in your name. And so in the name of Jesus Christ, we ask for the power of Holy Spirit to flow through this body into this community, into our neighborhoods, and into this city through the impact that you want to do through our lives. And we pray for camp and the children and youth, the volunteers and staff who will be out there this summer. We pray for protection on roads. We pray for the final preparations, even as children get their belongings together and get collected up and we get them uh, uh, settled in on that first day. God, may they find friends. May they experience love. Would you protect their hearts from the things and the way children can talk to each other? That there would be an attitude of grace and forgiveness and and uh, joy as people come with anticipation. We rebuke the enemy and his lying, deceitful spirits. And we send them to the judgment seat of Christ for you to deal with Jesus. And that you would put a hedge of protection around every vehicle, around every building, around every property that we set foot on as a camp this year. That it would be dedicated and set apart for the purposes of God to be working in doing the great commission in each life. So we pray that seed would go into good soil of hearts and that children and youth would make decisions, that those who have would be um, ministered to and they would have questions answered and they'd be able to ask questions and then they would be loved on and they'd be able to put more trust in you, Jesus, as their best friend, Savior, and learning how to trust you as their Lord at a young age. May you give them the perspective and the taste for the things of God and the community of God that they would not go into the old ways of this world, but there would be fresh destiny and plans for their lives and for their families in the name of Jesus Christ. You said, God, that you will establish paths, that you view people's paths, that if we lean on you, you will direct us. Direct us this month Direct these people for the years of their lives ahead, these young ones as they grow up. Stir our hearts. We submit ourselves to you to bring people, situations, things to our mind. Trouble us to pray when the team and the kids need prayer. Keep any ill intent, destructive spirit or person away from us by a mile, we pray. That we would be operating in the safety and favor of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys are awesome. So please be praying. Um, uh, summer snack series are chips on the way out. So we'll have some chips together. Uh, we're going to sing My Lighthouse, and hopefully the drummer can keep his sticks together. glad it's not about performance. It's just about community and it's an amazing gift. That's, that's not why we come to church, you know? 
it's hard to remember that as a worship leader sometimes, <laughs> but it's a good reminder.
Church online. I hope you have something that spoke to you or you feel encouraged in some way, and we can go out with that promise this week as from the promises of His Word. Again, if you would like to contact us, please feel free to do so at 306 975 or you can email the church at info at trcyxc.ca. Uh, if you would like to give to the Rock Church for our trifecta of generosity campaign, please feel free to let us know. You can e-transfer e that email I provided or call us at church and we can get that hooked up for you. Or any other questions or any other things that you want, please, for prayer, for just questions in regards to the Roxy or anything, feel free to contact us. Thanks again for joining us again and have a blessed, blessed week. It feels like I'm coming alive, coming alive.